Hello and welcome to the Film Show, Entertainment.ie's movie podcast. We've got a very legit episode coming up today. We've got reviews for Onward, uh, the new Pixar film, which I'm very excited to talk to you two about. Uh, We've got the true history of the Kelly gang, and we've got a big scoop. He's so hot right now. We've got the star of Best Picture winner, 1917, Mr. George McKay, with... Uh, which is a very legit interview. It has legit. to be said. Say that one more time. It's a very legit interview. Legit. Legit. But, it's but not it, litigious, though. It, but it wasn't the best picture winner. Parasite was. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I, think, I think you secretly just wanted to plug the fact that Parasite won 1917 again. That was oh a total setup on your part, host Owen Ronane. To tie back to how fantastic Parasite was, let's talk about that for the whole episode! <laughs> no, no, we're not allowed to do that anymore. Oh my God, I can't believe... So was presumably George McKay was pretty disappointed. I think he's had a big year regardless. He's had I a great year. He's, he's had a great year. It's, he's doing grand. Everyone involved with that film is going to be fine. <laughs> I'm sure they back. still won like three Oscars overall. That's nothing. Yeah. To Did Mendes win about. Best Director in the end? No, no, that was also <laughs> Parasite. <laughs> you think God, I these? <laughs> Just it's a good movie podcast. But no, honestly, in the interview, what you said was that uh, he shot this two years before. I had no idea. So it's kind of a weird kind of. Uh, everybody's like, "Oh, you did this in 1917," but he had actually finished that first. Um, there you go. There you are now. That's the facts. Your name is Brian Lloyd. It is. Your name is Dee Malumbi. It is. My name is Owen Ronane. That's right. And this is the film show. That's right. Let's go to movie news. Movie news. Okay, yeah. Great piece of news. No yes. Time to Die has been cancelled forever. Or probably just delayed for a little bit. This is mad. This is really, really, yeah, it was kind of surreal when I read the news. I mean, at, like on one side, I was not surprised. And then really? on the other, I was also like, I can't believe that there is that much fear, you know? Yeah. yeah. But um, Tell us what happened. So who released the statement? So MGM, UA, Universal and uh, the producers of No Time to Die. Barbara Broccoli, Barbara isn't it? Broccoli and yeah, yeah. Wilson, I always yeah. hear that name and just picture it. In an animus. And an animus of broccoli. Oh, I imagine like a plate full of broccoli (laughs) that is in charge of the world. (laughs) I imagine her with the hair of a broccoli. Yeah. I imagine like a 60-year-old woman, kind of like my, (laughs) kind of like my mam, but like with a hair of broccoli. Because you know the way older women have that hair that kind of goes out like that? You know that kind of way? Like you think broccoli, like that's just like, I think, oh, broccoli, yeah, that makes sense. Like I'm not saying my mother's hair looks like broccoli, but it's kind of out. There is a theme to that, yeah. There is a theme. Like you think like B. Arthur from the Golden from Yeah, Golden that is quite broccoli-like. Yeah, it is very broccoli. Like an old tree. Yeah. I'm picturing someone starting on their first day and she's like in a power suit and stuff, but it's like she's still a, a seven-foot piece of broccoli. Right. And it's like, don't talk to her about how she's a piece of broccoli. Just, just don't, just don't, don't, yeah. just don't draw attention to the fact that she is a walking piece of broccoli. Just don't. She don't knows Bond inside out, though. She's really serious. Just don't mention broccoli. Don't, don't, don't mention vegetables at all. Well, like in fairness, when it comes to like producers, it's like don't mess with them. You know. So if yeah. a producer was a piece of broccoli, I'd imagine <laughs> she'd be very serious and very litigious. <laughs> Very litigious. So the actual 
seriousness of the news. I love there was a slight hesitancy to partake in the nonsense. And you, I could you just, did, I and now it's did. too late. Well, that's yeah. because... Now you're I, no I, better I, than us, I, t- I, too, associate broccoli with... Anyway. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we broke her. So the story is this, is that they have essentially pushed back the release date from No Time to Die. It was originally in from April 10th. Now it's moved to November 12th. So that's a full seven months. That's remarkable. Mm. Presumably it's done. Like, it's done, done, done. Well, not really, to be honest. Like, I've... Not to... Stand back. I'm gonna drop some name things here. here. We, we like, need a sound effect for this. We need a, a clang. If we had the clang, when I went to see Zombieland two to interview Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> and Woody Harrelson, the new it, clang is Brian's a prick. Fuck <laughs> 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 you, Brian's a prick. No, but like a week before, like I saw that like a week before the film was mm. released, and they were still doing. <laughs> CGI work on it. Oh like, shit! So yeah. It's like cats or whatever. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah cats. When yeah. We went to see cats. There were like I think it was the last few shots or something weren't exactly. finished. So like these guys are really, really kind of pushing themselves with hitting these release Correct. date targets. You Correct. Know? Not and to mention funny- that No Time to Die is guaranteed to be the biggest release of the year. I'd say. Is it? Who's it competing with? Eternals. I mean, the, yeah, but I mean that uh, that's still kind of a bit of a a risk taker mm. on Marvel's part of that. Like nobody knows the those characters, the characters you know. Yeah, like, I mean, and I mean, look at Birds of Prey and how that did. And that fair. at least you had Harley Quinn going for it. You know, I'd eat my hat. If what? I'll just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they don't have like say a Star Wars movie to compete fair. with. You yeah, know, for because November we're talking about Christmas, course, right? Yeah. I can't really think of any other major Christmas. Yeah, shows, how so much I can money see did Skyfall take? Funny money. Oh, it God. over a billion. Going. It was over yeah, a billion. Yeah. Like, it was over a billion. Like, it's one of the biggest, I don't know about it in the world, but sir, I think in the UK, it's like the top it's five something or crazy, something. Yeah. For yeah. Box office and takes Yeah, like I suppose, ever. especially in the UK, everybody goes to it. Exactly. And, like, I mean, the thing of it is, is that, like, this is, this will be the third time the release date for No Time to Die has moved because it was originally in for November 2019 and That's then it bad. moved to April when Danny Boyle dropped out and they had to reshoot the, or rewrite the whole thing. Mm. This moving it on to November, like, I think there's, I think it's good for two reasons. Number one, no, what? Well, doesn't that mean the release date has moved twice? One, first time was set that, and oh, you're right, it is. Oh my God. Because I actually read your article on it today, and I was like, but that's twice. Ah! But it's okay, Brian. Oh God! You're Go right. and edit it now, or entertainment.ie will suffer. I, I, I didn't. I didn't mean to. No, you're right. There, you're absolutely on. right. Go you're on, absolutely anyway. right. You're it's absolutely okay. Right. You're you see, confused by numbers. The first release numbers. was the first. Still, still that date. Oh shit! I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Anyways, um, I think it's good because it gives them a chance to ed- like edit it a bit better. They mm. could probably do some reshoots if they needed to. True. You know, it's just. It gives it more time to make it better. Yeah. And like... More time to die. (laughs) I didn't want to make that joke, D, but you went and did it. But you made some pun in the article. No, I did. I said, I said, no time to release. Ah. Yeah. Producer um, Dave O'Regan posted an Instagram to entertainment.ie yesterday, which is a great Instagram account, and said, uh, plenty of time time today. He might have been the first to do it. And when I, um, and I, when I wrote the article on when the, um, what you call when the running time 
was uh, released. I think it's, cl- I think off the top of my head, it's two hours, 45 minutes. And you said um, no time to pee. I said no time to pee. Oh, great. Hey, wait till we swing back around for the reviews in a few months. Oh, we've got, I expect so, I've got a long list of puns. puns. I've got we've all got kinds of jokes. We've got months to finesse. Yeah, these. this is it. We've got literally seven months to write up our headlines. This is the other thing, though, as well. Correct me. Actually, I'm probably wrong, but... Are, is it often a Christmas time thing? We rarely see a December. Do we? I yeah. mean, originally it was November, yeah. right? So yeah, it's it's typically been a November October kind of thing. Because right? yeah, that's the whole thing. Where if Star Wars has gotten out of the way, mm. they're gonna own Christmas or I whatever. Think so yeah, pretty much yeah. I mean, like suits them down to the ground. Do you I, think is it actually? So what are they saying? The the virus. They're, they've no idea how cinemas are going to be affected correct. this yeah. time next month. Even correct. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah, they're basically saying that due to the uh, COVID nineteen outbreak, they are not moving forward with the release, and they actually cancelled. They previously cancelled uh, a premiere in China and a whole press tour they had planned for it. Mm. Wow. And. Then apparently some major Bond fan club actually launched a petition getting them to stop the release of No Time to Die because they felt it would negatively impact the box office. What? The fan club is saying, don't do this, MGM. Yeah, like it's, I don't know. Like, I mean, sometimes like fan fandom and fan culture kind of makes my head spin. Like who would go out of their way? To protect the business interests of a major studio film, like Jesus, they I don't really know. Like, has a, I thought you were gonna like no. try and come up with a Star Wars equivalent or no, something. No, no, so I mean they, they just really like Bond, yeah. Yeah, but like I don't know, it's crazy. But um, I'm excited for it. It'll be I the am, last, no, I am definitely. The last Craig Brexit yeah. Bond. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think after this, there needs to be a really serious examination of. James Bond yeah. in a mm-hmm. post-Brexit world because yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's virgin on Marvel Cinematic Universe levels of craziness. So it is the kind of thing of, you can get away with it up until this point, <laughs> but after this, like, you need to actually go away and have a look in the mirror and kind of have a bit of self-examination. It needs to be a new, smaller, I don't know. less geopolitically significant Bond. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, but it is something that's, they're going to have to address. Yeah. <laughs> they're going right, to have well, to look, we'll look forward it. to it. It's time for movie reviews. Movie reviews. Up first, Onward, the new Pixar release. Tell us what it's about. Oh the- my God, I love this movie so much. Okay, so I came out of this movie so excited. Me and uh, Graham Day from Scanon, we just couldn't stop like railing about this movie. It was kind of like we were the two kids with all the grown-ups because there were some critics around us being like, yeah, yeah, kind of disappointed. We were like, what are you talking about? It was great. Um, so yeah, it's a really kind of sweet idea. So story-wise, this is set in a world of like elves and centaurs and unicorns and all of these magical creatures. Um, And magic did exist once, but it was very hard to kind of um, manipulate and like, uh, whatchamacallit, apprentices were really kind of struggling in it. So instead, all the creatures turned to technology. So cars and planes and automobiles, all that stuff, um, just because it was proving easier. So magic gradually faded from the world. Um, Fast forward to several years later, and we followed these two brothers, um, Ian and Barley Lightfoot. 
Barley is voiced by Chris Pratt okay. and he's this kind of Dungeons and Dragons like nerd and he like wishes that magic would be back and he's like chaining himself to all these like ancient like magical sites being like don't tear it down ah. and Chris Pratt by the way MVP of this movie he is so good he like over delivers a bit you know what he's like he's like you when you introduce the podcast Owen hey, a little bit of this kind of energy oh my god totally that's it um, I should do Pixar movies you should I'll, I'll, hopefully they're listening yeah can I have a blast at it I think you'd be great. Sure. Yeah, you'd be great at it. Um, oh but his little brother is um, Ian Lightfoot, who is voiced by Tom Holland, who's just doing his kind of regular Tom Holland thing. He's still very good at I've it. I've never seen him not um, do his regular Tom Holland thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think he's just at that age. We'll see as yeah. he matures, you know, if he'll go into more mature so roles. Go, yeah. um, but it's his 16th birthday and their um, father left them this like... <sighs> magic stick I'm using the wrong word here help mm -hmm. me out here a staff a staff that's what it's called um, to bring him back to life for a day it's like the special spell you can cast um, and they do it but they mess it up and only his legs come back <laughs> so now they have to go off on a quest in order to find out how they can complete this spell and get to spend some time with their dad so it's a very sweet story at its heart definitely some tearjerker moments of course um, you've got Julia Louis-Dreyfus in there as well Ooh. she voices their mom. Oh, lovely. She's lovely. great in it. Octavia Spencer is there. She plays uh, the Manticore, um, who, like, originally when you meet the character, is kind of like subdued and has opted for a different kind of life. But then she goes all Manticore badass, which is great, great fun. Um, she and the mom kind of go off and have their own storyline. And we're also <laughs> following the brothers. And actually, both storylines are very good. If anything, they held back from the Manticore mom storyline, probably because they were like, oh, people won't be as interested in that but actually they've great um, kind of as a fun. B plot it's yeah, amazing yeah like, it's yeah. good fun yeah yeah um, but yeah it was really sweet it basically kind of gave you all the things that you want from Pixar it yeah. made you laugh there was a great sense of like kind of fun and adventure to it so it was it was like kind of very classical in a way because it is it's essentially a road trip movie yeah. and it is a fantasy adventure but then it's also like quite modern in terms of like its tone and its comedy and everything was very good and its characterization um, and you know as Pixar does it has those one or two scenes that are just like oh my god of course gut-wrenching tear-inducing stuff and just like oh, where does like, it rank on the weep meter compared to other Pixar movies oh my gosh see that's the thing because and this it's is it's not really I, fair is it I want to be like rank it now next to the other tears see that's the thing because I talk about this um, on site and I actually wrote a piece on entertainment.ie about the most tear-inducing Pixar <laughs> moments because there are so many yeah um, but it's so hard to compare because like when you think about like the likes of the Toy Story trilogy, you've got Wally in there, you've got Finding Nemo, you've got Up, you've got Coco, that song to the <laughs> granny just devastated everyone. It's really hard to compare it because it has had like Pixar have just had so many hits. Mm. I think they have had like People have to remember, they've had their duds too. I don't think that Monsters University was very strong. I don't think The Good Dinosaur was great. Yeah. Um, the Cars movies were always kind of just exactly, meh. Yeah. Although I know car enthusiasts and car loving <laughs> kids apparently love the Cars trilogy. Really? Yeah. What accuracy of the 
Brian's giving a big no, nod. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like my my uh, my nephew is crazy into cars. Like, there you go. Yeah, oh, I thought you were going to say like you appreciate that it's the correct well, model. No, I mean like I Fair appreciated enough. like the fact that they had like Paul Newman in there and he was like this old Mazda, that was great. which was like the car that he actually raced when Paul Newman was racing. And, That's like, very cool. And like Michael Caine was in like I think it was an Aston Martin or something like that, and it was mm. the same kind of car that he had from the Ip Chris file. That's like, amazing. I, that's what I'm saying. I appreciated the small little kind of we'll give nods yeah, that's give the thing that. that's the bottom line with these movies as well isn't it that they're they're kind of master crafted mm-hmm. no matter oh, what yeah. like even the tears and stuff it's not like they're cheap yeah like no there are they know how to do a three act fucking like yeah. structure yeah. and like just kill it yeah <laughs> and I mean like the start of the movie it's like oh they're doing the dead parent thing again but like it really does kind of tap into what grief means for like you know kids who yeah. have grown up kind of without their Instant parents and stuff vulnerability and, there yeah and that like and and even like there's this kind of plot at the start with um Ian um how he's really, really struggling to come out of his shell. Like he's really kind of shy in high school and he's trying so hard to like make friends and be brave and all of this stuff. And your heart just goes out to him, you know, because yeah. he's just he's just doing his best. And there are all these like little kind of moments that are like, oh, it's just, it, it, I think it's a really like, never mind a good Pixar movie, a good animated movie. I think it's a great movie. I gave it four and a half out of five. Wow. I just loved it. That's pretty strong. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty strong review. Like. I feel like I could go watch it again, like this weekend when it's That's out. class. That's it. Like, you know? I mean, that's like, what that right there is the mark. Like, that's for me. Like, and when I, if, 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 if I'm at a press screen and I finish, I'm like, I would happily sit through that again already. Cough up for it right away. Like, uh, no yeah, way. Absolutely. That's like, I know that's a really, really, really good film. Like, because mm. you, like, you know, for us, like for people who actually watch like new films all the time, at least two, three a week. Yeah. yeah. It is that kind of thing of like, it can feel like that one is meshing into the other. Like, and it can be that kind of thing of, you can almost forget how many you've seen. And yeah. It's only when somebody says, did you see that? I'm like, oh yeah, shit, I did. Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. That it kind of, it I kind of, I get, I get the people are surprised when I haven't seen it. They're like, what? You haven't seen yeah. it? Yeah. Because they just assume I've seen all the movies. But usually when it's a new release, I've seen it. Yeah. And then if it's like a classic, they're like, what? And I'm like, I haven't seen every movie ever. I've seen everything that's showing in cinemas. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> you you know? really have. You guys have to keep a long list. You probably have what? Oh, thousand gosh. films under your belt. I, I think know. I've been counting and I see like about no I like like from I was just kind of keeping a rough estimate but like 2018 2019 I think I saw a hundred like movies that were released in cinema I think there were a few Netflix ones in there but like kind of big feature releases a few days non-stop like yeah yeah Yeah, pretty much yeah that's the other thing though about Pixar that I wanted to say was that like uh, the fact that they've come out and said they were stepping back from sequels for a while yeah actually does a lot when you go into the cinema like Mm -hmm. I'd be a lot more excited to see this knowing that it's not going to become a franchise spinner yeah. mm. or something you're like okay there's a nice little standalone story mm-hmm. like Coco was or whatever and it's like oh great yeah, it kind of means much. it kind of means that they kind of care more that it's not just a money spinner you it know it has a level of I mean, sincerity or something yeah because I mean like with Toy Story 4 I mean I liked it as I mean the way I, and I talked about this how it's an epilogue and I see it as the end of Woody's story if you look at Toy Story yeah. 3 as the end of Andy's story and Toy Story 4 is the end of Woody's story you can kind of get your head around it but <laughs> quality wise it Shut wasn't up. as good as 3 oh no I don't cry 
Woody. I keep he thinking did his best. I did, but like the the one that I, I when I think of Toy Story Four, I just keep thinking of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh Richon! Oh no, Richon! I thought it was Richon. Richon, yeah. It was just the way. Oh no, Richon! When are we next seeing him? Is it Bill and Ted? Probably God, before I, Matrix Four. Isn't Bill and I feel like they're all coming out around the same yeah. time, like Bill and Ted, John oh, yeah. Wick Four, and Matrix Four. Yeah, oh, the same wait for my Keanu here. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think Bill and Ted Face Music is first, yeah. and then it's um, then it's John Wick Four and Matrix Four yeah. in the same. Actually, day. I. I think I know. I think the next movie he's actually going to be in is. I'm pretty sure it's the new uh, SpongeBob movie. Oh yes, <laughs> correct. He plays like an ancient shrubbery or yeah. something. Yeah, I. They know how to use him, don't they? <laughs> I absolutely love SpongeBob, and I am so happy that Keanu Reeves is going to be in the new SpongeBob. It's I'm, perfect. I, it's it's. Perfect. For those movies, the cameos they get, they like with David Hasselhoff in the first one, fucking task. They're brilliant. Yeah. Like when they got David Berry to play like the 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 Dolphin King, like you know what I mean, like like. I she, wanna rock. And then like Lemmy doing "You Better Swim" for like the one of the like come on, like Lemmy from Motorhead doing "You Better Swim." We've like, confirmed this a couple of times in the episode, but that is Keanu Reeves at the top of the show saying "Entertainment." Yeah, no, that's him. Yeah, it's the second one, Hugh Jackman. The second yeah. one is Hugh Jackman. I was listening to it on the way in to work this morning. I was like. It is huge. Wow, navel gazing yeah. much? <laughs> I just like to hear my own voice. I'm like, mm, yeah, good, yeah. No, yeah, that was, uh, I, that was when I interviewed uh, Keanu Reeves for the first John Wick. He came in and he goes, what's your name? And I was like, Brian. He's like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, entertainment. Entertainment. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, you can hear me at the end going, Because I'm a dumbass. All right, we're going to move on to the true history of the Kelly Gang. I am very excited to, to have both of you seen this. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear what you thought. Justin Curzel previously made, what, Macbeth and mm. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> and Snowtown, better. which is meant to be very good. I haven't I'm seen that it. one now, but mm. I've heard really good things about it. I Before saw Macbeth. Anywhere. I saw Macbeth. I like Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth like was Macbeth. really good. Yeah. I also saw Assassin's Creed. Me but, too. Would we'll yeah. say no more about that. Say no more about that. Yeah, no, Except no, Michael no, Fassbender yeah. is a person from Ireland yeah. <laughs> who was in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Give us the synopsis to yeah. the history. Wow. True history? The true history of the Kelly Gang. It is set during the, I guess, the, it is the life and story of Ned Kelly told, for, told from his perspective. He's writing these letters to his son. I think it's 1870. Yeah, let's about say that. that. Yeah. yeah, let's say that. Yeah. So uh, it is about the bandit Ned Kelly and his gang, the Kelly gang who roamed Australia, particularly the state of Victoria. Um, George McKay plays Ned Kelly and it's told in triptych. So it starts off boy and it's his about his early life, him being paired up with, uh, I think the guy's name was Porter. He was played by Russell Crowe and he was sort of like a mentor for him. He's the kind of dad figure. The dad figure that came into his life. Yeah, exactly. And is Ned Kelly Australian? Was he born in Australia? He, yeah, he was born in Australia, but his father and his mother were Irish. Right. And they really do speak to, you know, that he, that his family were dragged there kind of thing. By were they the convicts? Or were they they the, were convicts. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were brought to Van Diemen's land. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and that does inform a lot of Ned Kelly's story in it. The fact that they were born outlaws, that they were dragged there, that like they've always, the English has always been looking down at them. He's there to rebel. Exactly that, yeah. So the story is told over three parts. It's uh, Boy, Man and Monitor. And Monitor is him, basically his last stand when he like took a lot of people hostage. Wow. And kind of started this sort of uh, rebellion, if you like. Um, Now, this film is really frustrating because the first part of it, the boy part of it, is told in a very conventional way. Yeah. And you're really following the story and there's a real good, strong sense of, like, they're trying to build something and layer something together. The young actor who plays young Ned Kelly, I forget his name, but he's fantastic. He's really, oh, really he's good. brilliant. His name is, hang on, I'll just pull it up, Orlando, I can't, I think it's <sighs> Schwert. Sure. S-C-H-W-E-R-D-T. Okay. He's like a seven-year-old boy or whatever. Yeah, seven-year-old boy. And Plus. he's fantastic yeah. in it. And like the relationship that he has with uh, Russell Crowe, brilliant. Like really, really authentic. And Ned, and even like the way that Russell Crowe plays it is done in a very sort of fatherly, warm way. You could totally see how somebody would be taken by this character. Yeah. And Charlie Hunnam as well. He plays this um, local constable that he kind of gets into scrapes with and it's kind of intimated maybe maybe not that's actually his real father in it I did you get that from it I there were hints hints maybe, at it I thought yeah, yeah there were hints at it yeah there were a few things that were kind of hinted at but not totally drawn out like I don't know if you got like the homoerotic oh yeah that was well. very obvious yeah that was really <laughs> obvious yeah. he's there eagle eyed looking at the oh no no that homoeroticism thing was everywhere because really like, yeah yeah because like there was a whole thing about it that his father apparently <clears throat> used to rob people in dresses. Okay. And then he and the, he, uh, Ned Kelly and his brothers then would dress up in would dress up in dresses yes. and like attack people and the reason that they kind of played it was was that oh you know the English hate crazy and that's what we'll do we'll be crazy. But then there's also a relationship that Ned Kelly has with this guy who's kind of like his um gang member kind of thing yeah almost like his manager because there's a period of time when he's like a bare knuckle boxer and oh, he's okay. his manager and the two of them have this very kind of do you of, know the actor I, again I'm, I'm useless mm. with I'm useless with the names of the actors they're all kind of Australian actors oh I was even thinking between his character and like Nicholas Holt yeah that too Is yeah there, that too yeah, yeah but yeah the guy who's his very close friend I suppose yeah manager, manager if you like but then also there are a couple of scenes with Nicholas Holt it's like are they gonna are they, they going to yeah. do it? Are they going <laughs> to start doing it? Like it's, smile. It's, and like, I think I can see why Jed Kurzel put that, or um, Justin Kurzel put that in there because Ned Kelly has been this kind of, you know, uh, Robin Hood yeah. folk hero for Australians. And really what the film is about is, is that they're trying to kind of unpack why is it that Australians signify Ned With Kelly that as kind this, of rebellious yeah, spirit, rebellious spirit yeah. and this kind of hero figure when he you know killed people right. he was a thief um, he shot children like he was an absolute bastard wow yeah being. I never knew this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, like I get that but the way that Justin Kurzel approaches it is that it sets it up in the first act to be like this very straightforward you know very interesting, yeah. very well told. Second act, it starts to kind of pull apart and it goes back and forward and it loses a lot of the structure. And then it kind of seems to go inward on itself sure. in that it's kind of like, no, you shouldn't believe everything you're seeing here. This is this is a lot of bullshit. That's well, the they, other thing. they outline that from the start. They do. They do say... 
this is not the true history. Yeah, even the <laughs> true history. Have yeah. It there. Yeah, is yeah. that is that the whole thing that the whole movie is unreliable narrator and yeah. Yeah. to be like I think so. And I mean the other thing that I would just say, just to if I may be devil's hmm. advocate and counter argue Brian's point, is that for me watching it, and maybe I readily admit I'm giving it too much credit, but I thought watching it that I, I got that exact structure you're talking about, the fact that the first act is very linear and then it kind of goes off the rails a bit. But I also thought that that was kind of self-reflective. I thought it was kind of the nature of like memory itself, how mm. you do kind of lose track. And we all have a very kind of firm understanding of what our childhood was, but it might not be, you know, to your parents or whatever. And then it gets kind of mushy. And then as well, the fact that Ned Kelly, very obviously, he goes through a process of mental disintegration. I thought yeah. that that was mirrored back by the narrative. Like I said, I might be giving it more credit no, no, than no, it's No, 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 that was due. definitely there. Yeah. Um, and even like the stylization, I thought was really interesting because it jumps quite quickly to Basically, there's this kind of final scene between um, Ned and uh, uh, Russell Crowe's character. Right. And then he goes back home and then he gets put in jail. And then all of a sudden he's an adult. And it's a very kind of jarring experience. And it goes into this really kind of stylized type of movie then. You've it got seems like, very stylized. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. that kind of OTT yeah. Yeah. Tarantino like, kind of thing. Almost, no, not quite Tarantino. It's more art house, if anything. Like, yeah, it's yeah very it is art slightly house. art house. Yeah, yeah. But even in terms of kind of the color design and everything, um, and then the music is very kind of punk rock or something. Yeah. And then yeah. you have that final uh, battle, which just, it's so funny because the movie opens up like quite grim and like almost kind of austere. Yeah, and almost kind of like sexually violent. Yeah. And then by the end, it's like all out blood cuts just no horrible way. horrible stuff um and i thought that that was kind of I very interesting go that way. Yeah, and yeah. even like from the i also thought that its analysis of like masculinity was really interesting because really the core relationship in this film is between ned and his mother and his mother who's been kind of forced to like um you know have this like relationship with the constable so that she can get money um and right. the father's like turning a blind eye and she knows about the father's kind cross-dressing tendencies so as a result she's always pushing for Ned to be like be masculine and be violent and be angry and all this stuff and Ned is like trying so so hard to just do the right thing and she's like I don't give a damn about the right thing I just want you to fight I just want you to be a man and then by the end he's like kind of done that you know and then he meets like Nicholas Holt along the way and Nicholas Holt is almost a bit of a dandy or something you know so there's definitely yeah aspects of that going on in it as well I kind of really want to see this so I just yeah. I liked it just I thought that there were a lot of kind of layers to it and I thought the performances were great I mean um, what's her name Essie Davis as the mother Brilliant. was horrific and Nicholas Holt does a good bad guy like he yeah. is so violent at one point he points a gun at a child cool. at a baby at, at a, a baby, baby. alright it's like <laughs> okay Nicholas Holt oh but see I think he he can do a good villain because even um, I was talk- I can't remember who I was talking to but they mentioned yeah. the fact that he's kind of a villain in the favourite as well if you think yeah, about it yeah definitely kind he's of good scheming. in the favourite he's yeah. good at that you know kind of Political conniving character villain, yeah, yeah. Um, but also very OTT in that as well mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, it almost sounds like it reminds you, it has a lot of the same themes as the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I would, know. I would question that because yeah. I, like the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, mm. I'm going to use a full title. Every time. Um, <laughs> is that, I, I, it's funny you actually say that because I was trying to get uh, my fiance to come with me to see True History of Kelly Gang. And she's like, oh, is that like 
the assassination of Jesse James, James with a character before, before because that film was really boring and I was like first of all go fuck yourself <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure you told her that <laughs> yes I did actually and she'd appreciate that she would appreciate that <laughs> isn't no, she your fiance uh, now <laughs> <laughs> no she's not but I stand by it <laughs> no but um, no but like it is that thing of like um, the assassination of Jesse James is a very kind of um stately and it's done at a very deliberate pace and it's very much about kind of like how beautiful everything was and that it was Mm. very kind of considered but at the same time wasn't that then also that he was kind of building his own mythology (gasps) oh yeah 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 in that regard yes it's that that kind of unreliable maybe all of this was bullshit anyway exactly in that regard definitely it is very much they are films that deal with legacy and the idea of, you know, hero worship in folklore and how that's different. I mean, um, Unforgiven as well. Would yeah, be completely. One of I mean, it's a recurring yeah, yeah. theme in Westerns. Like, it is a recurring theme in yeah. Westerns. And I think, you know, Ned Kelly was a archetypal Western hero. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the mm-hmm. Kelly gang, you hear that and it's like, oh God, that's like, bang bang shoot shoot yeah. westerns they must be legends yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not that at all these were terrible terrible people yeah. like wow. and they lived awful lives yeah um i don't know if you guys saw um ned kelly the was it the one with orlando was, bloom orlando bloom and i think Heath it was kind of i saw it and it wasn't that bad but my god orlando bloom's irish accent is god awful like Heath ledger actually wasn't bad i sure. didn't think but orlando bloom my god it was terrible. What's Why that, like isn't that talked or, about more? Yeah. About 2004, I think. Right. 2003, 2004. Like the proposition uh, yeah. has some ropey Australian-Irish accents yeah. as well. Like John, <laughs> or not John Houston, um, what's his name? Danny Houston is in it and his Irish accent is pretty bad. I would have thought he would have put a lot of work he in. He did. No, to be fair, like it's... How are co- you getting that? It's a bit I like country cook a good stuff. Like Australian or Irish? Yeah, it's a bit like you can kind of tell that like Danny Houston definitely has it in him to do it, but he's not doing it that well. And Guy Pierce as well, like no, but like no, but like it's good in the proposition because they don't speak a whole lot, yeah, and that kind of adds the mystique. But if we're talking Australian Westerns, I think Proposition is the best one. If you've never seen it, my God, watch it. Aside Fantastic. from the accents. Is Aside this film better than Australia by Baz Luhrmann as far as Australian <laughs> movies go? I liked Australia, actually. I don't. I, 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 I have a bit of a soft spot for it. I, like, like, I have a lot of relations to live in Australia. So that's why I'm, kind of like, I'm kind of a bit like... Where does this rank on your Australia mythology uh, true history of the Kelly Gang uh, it's up there like it's definitely stylized I appreciate how kind of interesting it is um, I don't know if I loved it though I really liked it I mean for me it, like I, I honestly haven't seen enough Australian movies but obviously my favourite is Mad Max and then yeah. after that Priscilla Queen uh, of the Desert so. shouts wow yeah, yeah do you had water bro <laughs> <laughs> like any Muriel's wedding you know you're terrible Muriel <laughs> And what about like picnic? A, what about picnic a hanging rock? I reviewed it. What it's on it? site now. I gave it four stars. Yeah, I liked it. And you would have been a bit harsher, Brian. Perhaps I probably would have given it three. Right, I would have given it three because I don't think its con- central conceit worked as well as D claims it to be. There you go, D. Last question: Can you agree? How is George McKay in it? To tee up the upcoming interview, we may have. Ah, he's great. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, what well, age is he? Is he he's young enough? Is he? I feel like he's like twenty-eight. 
29. His 0% body fat thing. Jesus Christ. He's got such hollow eyes. Oh my God. But like his, like in this, like he's like half naked for a good bit of it. And it's like that, like 0%, like there's just, I like how does he do it? Like, yeah. how does he do it? And I saw him at the I saw him at the Dublin Film Festival. I, I saw him at the premiere. I was walking out. He does have very hollow eyes. Yeah, they're really like, sunken back in his head. <laughs> he is twenty seven, by the way. Oh, ninety two. So he would have been twenty five, twenty six during Ned Kelly. Oh, that yeah. means that he. Uh, oh, it's his birthday next week. Ah. He turns twenty eight. We have to tweet. I'll, we'll have to tweet him. We'll have to tweet. <laughs> him. We'll, we'll get on it. Does yeah. he have a Twitter account? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. <laughs> I'll, I will find him now that we're friends. Find a similar fan page and tweet yeah. them. Well, we're friends now because I interviewed him, actually. Oh, nice. Was it at the film festival? It was for the film festival. Yeah, yeah. True History of the Kelly Gang was shown as part of Diff. Um, yeah, and we got chatting to him. So here's that interview. So, George, congratulations on True History of the Kelly Gang. Thank you. Thank this you. has just been the most phenomenal year for you between this. I know you did a couple of other features, but besides, of course, the big... Oscar-winning film, 1917. Has this year been as surreal, as hardworking, as intense as it appears to have been? Yeah, it's it, it has. It's been an amazing, amazing sort of new experience. Like, I've never been a part of a film that's been received in the way that 1917 was received at, at the cinemas. Um, but I think it's it's sort of... It's, it's funny because both True History of the Kelly Gang and 1917 mean so much to me personally and creatively, professionally. Um, but it's also, it is funny to kind of be on the inside of the handover point because the truth of True History of the Kelly Gang was that was the most sort of profound happening for me in terms of an experience of work, but that happened two years ago. And so for people to be going, oh, this is like, this is that kind of, is this not the craziest year? That was the craziest winter of 2018 in a way. But it's so, it's in the, and the new thing is, uh, is is the sharing of it with people, but because of how much it means to me, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm so pleased it's getting the release it is now. Was there much like um, similarities in the preparation for both movies? Because I'd imagine they were both quite intense in their own way, but 1917 was probably a bit more extensive as well. Yeah, to uh, to be honest, I couldn't have done 1917 without the without the experience of Ned. Um, there were similarities, there were parallels in the rigor. Like I think both Justin and Sam offer up the opportunity to really go at something and the in terms of Ned it was an immersion into that character and a commitment to changing myself and learning things that to, to become this man and, and this sort of interpretation of who this our version of this this Ned Kelly um, and that meant you know being I went to Australia for months before we started shooting and and you know, spent week. I lived on a farm and worked with horses. I went to Tasmania and chopped wood. I lived with Justin and Essie. When we then finally all came together, we formed the band. We did all, it was so kind of creative and so many different things to be then channeled sort of through the eye of a needle. Whereas 1917 was a similar in terms of its rigor and its prep and its commitment, but it was a much more kind of mutual journey because we all were building the film together as we went because the sets needed to be um, tailor-made essentially because of this unbroken take that is the film. And so that kind of working as a company, is it felt a bit more kind of like theatre where in a way true history was kind of quite, sometimes quite isolating as well as very collaborative. How did you find like the emotional aspects of the role in true history of the Kelly Gang compared to like the kind of physical requirements for the role? 
I think, um, well, the journey with the emotion of it is, I think, Ned uh, Ned holds on to his emotions a lot more. There's, I remember Justin always saying, just practice, like in these rehearsals, with me even, practice holding on to, uh, like not, not giving anything away and feel the power of that. Feel the power of staring someone down, even if you're feeling wounded inside or you're feeling powerful inside. If you hold eye contact with someone and don't give them anything, and let them come to you or watch them squirm or watch them go away. And I think that kind of power play was something that, you know, I don't really operate like that in, in my own life so much. So that was an exploration. And there were a lot of things that came with uh, the physical rigours of the part, which actually kind of cracked me open emotionally. So I've got lots of very quite personal memories attached to the kind of the physical commitment of the role and the physicality of the role and the way that physicality sort of breaks you open. Um, yeah, so it was, it was both. And I understand um, in preparation for the role, you also came down to Tipperary and you were doing a bit of research, I think, on Ned Kelly's father, uh, John Kelly. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So when I, when I first got the role, when I auditioned for the role, we were playing him as, as Irish, as he would have been. You know, his, he probably would have spoken with more of an Irish accent than an Australian because the Australian was still kind of, that accent was being made, I guess, or through the generations. And yeah, and so Red, um, Red Kelly, or John Kelly, his, his father, was um, arrested in Moygloss, if, if I'm saying that right, near Cashel in Tipperary. Yeah. And so I just wanted, the first thing that Justin said was get on horses. Ned is a great horseman and was a great horseman. And although there's a small amount of horse riding in the final film, that kind of understanding of what it is to be a horseman and the kind of physicality and also the mental side of it was um, was integral to the character. So I went down and stayed at Nina for a week and rode horses and um, had a, lo a lovely time down there, but also then spoke, got in touch with a local historian called Terry Cunningham, who's the, the Feathered um, Medieval Society, um, because I'd seen on YouTube that years and years ago there had been a tour of people wanting to know about the Kelly family. So yeah, so I just went there and it was really useful to, Terry gave me the most incredible morning because he quizzed me immediately he said well do you know the history of Ireland and I said no I don't and he and he gave me a history of of Ireland and 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 the betrayals up to this point is, is such a huge part of this this history and especially in terms of the English and and that was so informative as to the way that the film is about kind of things carried on from generations and the through lines and quite often in, in this story, pain as well, like the wounds that are carried on and passed down through generations. It was So it was really useful to then go to Tipperary and get a better sense of, because also in the book, Ned's Irishness is a huge part of who, his identity and also a huge part of why he's subjugated the way that he is. And so to have a kind of broader understanding of that was, was really valid. Definitely, definitely. Um, just looking back on um, kind of 1917 and just these past couple of months for you and everything, you were also a part of Oscars night and I'd imagine that was such an amazing experience, you know, to be part of like the glamour and everything like that. Mm. What was your favourite moment or memory from that night? Favourite moment? Uh, I tell you, like, it's just a really thrilling room to be in because the main thing is, is like, I didn't have sort of particular kind of you know, profound conversations with like, you know, I'd love to have said that I had like a heart to heart with De Niro or something, but like, <laughs> it's... Uh, Wouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, any room. Um, but it, it's more that you just, you're in this room celebrating a kind of a year's work 
um, for all involved. And you're just kind of seeing all these people that, that have kind of been with you your whole life in terms of you've watched their films and, and suddenly you're seeing them in the flesh and suddenly you're seeing Tom Hanks and, you know, and De Niro and Scarlett Johansson and Al Pacino, Brie Larson, like all these kind of great makers. And it's a really sort of amazing feeling to sort of see them just there. And what are you looking forward to next? Very last question for you, George. Next, I'm, well, I'm, about to, I'm in rehearsals at the minute um, for a film that's going to be filmed in Hoth, um, a film called yeah. Wolf by a, a lady called Natalie Biancherry, who um, is an Italian director, um, but also lives in Ireland. And this is a film about a young man who believes he's a wolf. We're very excited to see that. And congratulations on this and on your last year. Ah, cheers. Thank you. Brilliant. Yeah. I got, I had to get a few mentions of 1917 in there because obviously it was such a like, you know, huge deal. And I mean, like, you know, just to tie back to what we were talking about at the start of the show with regards to, you know, but Parasite actually won all the biggies. I mean, I think that he can readily acknowledge and everyone can readily acknowledge that 1917 is still such a huge success, a major accomplishment. Like it was just brilliant. Um, And I'm so excited to see what he does next, especially that, you know, he'll be back here in Ireland in Hoth shooting his next movie. So there you go. No, tell me more. Yeah, tell me more. What film is he doing? Oh, no, that's that's all he kind of told me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't able to kind of reveal. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah I thought you might have more detail. Oh, well, I'd run out of time. <laughs> I'd say that, would, I wonder, would he be in like The Last Jewel? That thing with um, the Ridley Scott thing with like uh, Matt Damon and Adam Driver. Up and, in trim or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I know, right? <laughs> Have you seen the set photos? We sh- Wait, they're already there. Yeah, the set photos there. Lads, can we tweet them out or something? Yeah, I'll find them. I would drive up. I, I think would. we should drive up today. I would. I was trying him. to get my brother. No, I was trying to get my brother to like uh, go d- uh, do the extras cast. And of course. A couple of weeks ago. Because like, they were looking for exactly what he is like. And I was like, will you just go? You'll earn a lot of money. Like, and you'll be in the film. Real no. career. Well, like, yeah, like he, like he runs a recording studio. Like, uh, so he was like, he owns it. Like, so it's like, he was like, oh, no, I can't. I feel like I'm too busy that week. Like, do the extras thing. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like fucking easy money. I'd love to be set. an extra. Same. There, what, you wrote an article recently as well. Is there a Vikings one coming up? Yeah, there's Vikings as well. Valhalla. Yeah, that's that's looking for extras as well. That's on entertainment.ie and you can read about that there. I would love if someone hired us as extras, but as a trio. Uh, no. <laughs> it is so good No, because I've worked on film sets and extras get treated like pants I probably shouldn't say I that I could be a, an well, I, I'm look I'm sure it depends on the film set but the ones I was on like they, were, they weren't given toilet breaks which was ridiculous wow so one lady had to go off into the woods like between takes I no. felt so sad for her I'm not going to name the movie production I'll just pee but. myself <laughs> suits me it's good money yeah and like you know it's like I'm getting into character (laughs) (laughs) everybody regretted that conversation the people who love it I'm sure it's great but a lot of working on movies is standing around oh no it is yeah Yeah. I've I've been on sets as well it's horrible I'm not very good at that bit in fairness yeah I I love chairs yeah not like producer Charlotte who is uh on She's two stunning. pins She's but, I'm, but I'm sure that if minutes. you're the lead actor of a movie or say a director or you know there are several like major roles I'm just saying for extras it's a bit of a rough gig <laughs> we'll have but, time for that so yeah. we'll get hired as a trio <laughs> of leads exactly right in Ridley Scott's next what if production. we had a cameo what if we had <laughs> a cameo producer Charlotte you can't see but she can stop laughing at this prospect of the three of us possibly starring we'd be in so good we'd be like a cameo it'd be like in, like in the background and it's like there's like <laughs> The, a medieval version of a podcast. 
<laughs> it's a good medieval podcast. All right, tell us what's coming up next week. Ye old film show. <laughs> Can you tell us what's coming up next week in ye old medieval podcast no, form? <laughs> I'll speak normally because, as we know, I can't do accents or impressions. Um, we've come. We've come with horses. Mate. Um, <laughs> With ye old Neve Algar and ye old Barry Kyogun. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be good, yeah. yeah. And we'll also be chatting about The Hunt, I believe. Yes, The which, Hunt. Which we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago when sure the did. new We talked absolute shop about that yeah. trailer yeah. for ages. Yeah. 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 Really yeah. intrigued to see it now. Very interested to see how The Hunt is actually going to play out. <laughs> I had another word there and I was like, no, don't do it. Um, but yeah, no. Say the hunt. it. What was the pun? No, it, it's uh, how is the hunt going to punt out? Okay. Because okay. like it would kick. <laughs> like you can punt it. Yeah. You can punt it. It's a good show. It's a good yeah. show. It's, good, it's show. good. All right. Medieval sign off. Anyone? Yar matey. We can have like loop music. I'm mixing up. I'm mixing up medieval and pirate. Oh my god. How could you wrap not it up, wrap it up, guys. We're too tired yeah. for this. Please like and subscribe to the film show and uh leave us an L review of what you thought of us. And like if you want to ask us some questions, if you th- have something that you want us to talk about, if you have any questions about reviews, if you have questions about anything, leave a review and we will totally read it out next week. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at The Film Show and we'll see you next week. Yar, ye old <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs>